Hey guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, and where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you can find the podcast on uh, you know anywhere you can get your podcast in terms of audio, you know, Spotify. Um, we're just relaunched back onto iHeartRadio and also on Google Podcasts um, and Stitcher and other podcast uh, hosting sites there as well. Uh, also, if you want to uh, watch the podcast. Uh, you can look it up when the scriptures become real on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there. Subscribe everywhere. Leave a comment. Um, and we're there on YouTube as well. And we'd love for you guys to subscribe to us and continue to learn and study and grow with us as we continue to try to become uh, the best versions of ourselves as we can. Uh, today's topic of what we want to talk about is what is God's plan for me? What is God's plan for me? And quickly before, you know, with the last podcast that I did with, with Ty, with Cantrell, with Caleb, you know, I've had great feedback on that. I've had people ask questions. We've had studies off of that, which is great. Um, and so if there are some things that you still have questions on, if there's things that, um, you know, you don't necessarily understand, I will give you my detailed notes. You know, I had some things written down, but I couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't discuss it all at the, at the, at the, but I do have very detailed notes uh, that I can give to you through uh, via email or through Facebook Messenger, and you can study that uh, for yourself. You know, we, you know, with uh, you know what was said about Peter and other things like that, we're going to stick with what the Scripture says. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, we don't want to see Peter. We don't want to see all these uh, leaders. Um, we don't want to see their flaws. You know, we want to see them as perfect. We don't want to see them as. Uh, you know, they had this problem or that problem. But if the Bible discusses it, I have to say it, you know, whether you may agree with it, um, whether you may not agree with it, that's, um, that's okay. You know, that's fine, whether you agree or don't agree. Um, but if the Bible says we should discuss it, I will discuss it. Um, and so if you want to study, that's great. If you want to, you know, uh, get the notes, that's great. If you disagree, you know, that's great. But, you know, you can it for yourself. And, you know, one preacher a long time ago is you can disagree with the scripture all you want, but it doesn't mean that the scripture is not right. <laughs> so, you know, study for yourself and I'll continue to study for myself as well. All right. So let's get into the podcast. What is God's plan for me? What is God's plan for me? Uh, in order to, I believe in order to ask that question, um, I think we have to evaluate ourselves to see, uh, to see where we can get better in our Christian walk. And so, you know, I just got done with my brother watching, a, you know, an all-star game. Uh, I think it was 96, no, 98, 98 all-star basketball all-star game. And I was watching it, and this was Kobe's first all-star game. And they were talking about him and Michael, and they were, you know, going back and forth in the game. And uh, one commentator said, you know, uh, what's one thing that you like about Michael? And he said, you know, I love learning from him. You know, I love uh, you, know, you know, feeling him on the court to see what he does, asking him questions in real time just so I can understand it. And then I could go back and I can reevaluate myself and work on myself. You know, and I think that's a great attitude to have, especially, you know, it works in the sports world. We've seen it, right? It works in the business world. We've seen it. But, you know, looking at your life and evaluating your life works in the spiritual realm as well. But here's the thing about the spiritual realm. You see, in the sports realm, I can look at another player and I can compare myself to him. In the business world, 
I can look at another businessman or businesswoman and compare my model to his or her model and then recreate that model. But the thing with the, the, the spiritual, I don't compare myself to another Christian. So I'm not supposed to compare myself to brother so-and-so or to sister so-and-so or to elder so-and-so or to deacon so-and-so. I'm to compare myself to Christ. And so here's some things before we can ask that question, what is God's plan for me? I think we have to ask this question first. How can we evaluate ourselves? We have to see where we are first. So a good place to start is to ask these questions. And and these are just a couple that I've written down. But here's some things that we need to ask ourselves. Remember, we're talking about evaluating ourselves before we ask the question, well, what does God want for me? You have to see where you are. And here's some questions here. So you can ask yourself this. How can I, how can I be a better servant? You know, I'm reminded of, remember in Philippians 2, where it mentions that Jesus was a servant. You know, I try to think, and, and you should do this as well, try to think, how can I serve better? You know, maybe I haven't, uh, you know, visited as much. Maybe I haven't talked to so-and-so as much. Maybe I haven't uh, studied this much. Maybe I haven't written cards. Maybe I haven't been concerned about my brother. I need to ask myself, how can I be a better servant? What can I do to be a better servant? Here's another question. You can ask yourself, well, how can I fight temptation better? You know, all of us have sinned and fallen short, right? Before in the kind of the introduction, like with Peter, Peter had to read himself multiple times. And you can call it whatever you want to call it, but you can call it whatever you want to, but he was in sin. And so he had to ask himself, I have to ask, have to ask yourself, how can I fight temptation better? Because I fight temptation, you fight temptation. I see the thing about, you know, uh, Christianity is just because I'm a preacher, just because I'm standing in front and teaching doesn't mean I don't fight temptation. You fight temptation. Elders fight temptation. Preachers wives fight temptations. Preachers kids fight temptations. All, everybody fights temptation. And so since you know that, we need to evaluate how can I fight it better? What can I do? Maybe I haven't been in the scripture enough. You know, remember before? When, uh, when Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, what did Jesus do every time he was tempted? He simply said, it is written, it is written, it is written. So maybe I'm falling to temptation. Maybe you're falling to temptation because we don't know what's written. Maybe we have to keep reading so we can defend ourselves against the wiles of Satan. And so the, the first two questions were, how can I be a, be a better servant? Then number two, how can I fight temptation better? Then how about this one, number three? Who can I learn from? Who can I, who can I sit under and learn from? I think a lot of times, especially for uh, millennials, uh, you know, and this is myself included, I think a lot of times we try to think that we can do it on our own or because we have been successful up to this point that we don't need anybody's help. You know, and one thing I really enjoyed is having the opportunity to work under my dad to work under a great eldership here, to work under older spiritual men that I can learn from. So, you know, necessarily, you know, I'm not always up front. You know, I'm not always saying what I think. I'm not always, I'm sitting back and learning. I'm sitting back and growing. I'm sitting back how and seeing how they, uh, they handle situations, right? And so when it's my turn to do those things, I'll be ready to do those, to do those things. So who can you learn from? And I think this one, number three, it's great for guys, 
but I think specifically for women, for our college age, for our girls that are, you know, teenagers, high school, then going into college, then maybe mid 30s, still single. This is the time for you to find a spiritual older lady and just, just listen to her, you know, go visit, go visit her, go, go when she goes out to visit, write cards with her, study with her. You know, I'm reminded of a time where, um, you know, my mom had a, uh, an older, an older woman to study from, uh, she, she's passed up to this point, but she was our granny and we would always go down to Alabama and we would, we would be outside playing with the farm animals and playing with the goats. Uh, but mom would always sit inside and talk to her about spiritual things. She was asking questions. I mean, she's already had two kids at the time, but she was spending all day, literally all day asking questions. How can I, uh, what do I need to do to be a great mother? How can I teach them? What do I do? And then granny just over and over. And she always answered by saying, you need to know the word first. You can't push something inside of those kids that you don't have. You need to know the word. You need to study. You need to love your husband. You need to respect your husband. Be a, a, this type of mother. Then she learned from those things and was able to transfer those things over to us as her children. And so young ladies, college ladies, don't be so afraid to learn under someone, no matter what age you are, learn under someone, learn how to be a wife, learn how to be a, a, a great servant, learn how to be, uh, you know, a great friend, learn how to serve, learn how to do those things, right? And so that's why even Paul had to mention there, he said, look, younger ladies learn under the older ladies, older women teach the younger. And so this is the pattern that was set before, right? And so here's the fourth question here. What am I, or not what, but how much am I reading for myself? You know, a lot of times you can find yourself just uh, being very busy. And here's, here's what I mean. Uh, last year, I, was, I had to work at FedEx to support myself. So I was preaching technically for free. Um, you know, I was preaching with my dad at a congregation, and I still had to work to support myself. And so the congregation at the time wasn't paying me. So I found myself throughout that year, uh, I found myself working a lot, being very busy, right? Just doing work, but then only opening up the scripture on Sunday and Wednesday. And that, that got tough in my walk because I only studied and I only opened up the scripture when I needed to, rather than opening it up every single day to study. And so how much am I reading for myself? How much are you reading for Remember, what, is the, what does the scripture say? Study to show thyself approved unto God. You see, like I mentioned before, you know, with these basketball players, with these sports players, with these business, business men and women, they look at their weaknesses and they hone in on what they need to fix. And so Kobe said, you know, I'm great going right, but I'm not that great going left. So I'm going to spend all summer going left. Then the next summer, I'm not great at crossover. I'm going to spend all summer doing crossover. In our Christian walk, we need to do the same thing. We need to evaluate where we are. Okay, I did some great service last year, but what more can I do this year? Yes, I fought temptation great last year, but something else is coming. So how do I fight it this year? Or, well, you know, I've learned from these brethren, but who are some more brethren that I can learn from? Or I've read this much. 
how can I study more this year? Evaluate yourself as a Christian and evaluate myself, right? So here's the thing. Remember, we're talking about what is God's plan for me? So in order to answer that question, you have to evaluate where you are first. And so not only do you need to evaluate where you need to work on or what items you need to work on, but also the great thing about evaluation, a lot of people think when you self-study or not self-study, when you self-evaluate yourself, they think that you only have to focus on the negative. Well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I can't do this. The next thing you know, you got a long line of what you can't do. But evaluation is looking at what you're really good at as well. And so you can push that aside and work on something that you, you're not great on. And so we mentioned the first four questions were things that we need to work on. But then here's some questions that you can ask yourself, um, you know, to actually show what you've actually done well. And so here's this question. Remember the first question, one of the first questions before was, how can I fight temptation better? Well, you need to evaluate yourself. You need to say, well, last year I did fight the, this temptation. This worked and this worked and this worked and I got through that. And so check that off. Then you can also say, well, you know what? I learned this much last year. I studied this much last year. I memorized, uh, you know, this amount of scripture last year. That's great. But what more can I do this year? Then also you can say, well, I've increased my study habits last year. That's wonderful. But how much more can I improve? You know, I know I say this all the time, but uh, Brother Garland Elkins always used to tell us and always used to say, the biggest room in my life is the room for improvement. And so in order to evaluate ourselves, you need to see what you can do better, but also kind of praise yourself and see how you have grown so you can actually see your own progress. So now that we've answered those questions, now we can ask the big question. Okay, I've evaluated myself, but now what's God? Where does God want me to go? You know, even though you still answer those questions before, it's kind of hard not to ask sometimes, what does God want for me? What is his plan for me? You know, being honest, I'm at a, I don't want to say it's a weird point, but I'm at a point in my life where I am extremely content with what I'm doing, where I'm at, where I'm working, you know, what I'm trying to do. Uh, the plans I'm trying to do financially and educationally, I'm in a very good place when it comes to that. So there's absolutely no complaints. So I don't want to act like I'm over here complaining. But at the same time, it's a, it's a weird portion of life when things are somewhat working, but you still don't know where you're supposed to be going. Does that make sense? You know, you might be working, you know, a great job. You might be at a great congregation. So you might be learning spiritual things and you might be you know, doing the right things for yourself. But at the same time, you're kind of wondering, what's, what's the end goal? Where am I supposed to be? Where does, this, where does this lead? Where am I supposed to go? Where does the Lord want me? You know, what should I be focusing on so the Lord can, can use me in the way that he wants to use me? And so I came up with, with three questions, or not three questions, but three points of how we can answer that question. And so it's not going to be, you know, a straight cut answer that I wish I had because I would give it to myself if I had it. But here's how we answer that question. Here's number one. In order to answer the question, what is God's plan for me? What is God's plan for you? Right. And you might have a totally different situation than I do, but I know all of us think this. Where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do? 
Number one, think on things rather than acting on your will. You know, a lot of times when you try to, you know, I like to plan. And so a lot of times when you plan too far ahead, sometimes when things don't work, then sometimes you start to act on your own will. Well, this isn't working, so I have to come up with something else. Then you start to focus on your intellect rather than having faith in God's plan for you. And so think on things rather than acting on what you want. Here's a good example. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and I want to look at verses uh, 18, through, 18 through 20. Again, this is one of the first verses that Brother Elkins had us memorized at the school. I'll never forget it. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Now, this example, this, I think this, this guy gets overlooked so many times, but Joseph was such a great example talking about thinking on things rather than acting on his will and on his wisdom, right? So notice Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But watch what the next verse says in verse 20. And then Joseph acted on it and Joseph made a plan. Is that what your Bible says in verse 20? But let's start real quick. What would you do in that situation? Oh, I got to make a plan. Well, there's got to be something I can do. Or there's got to be something I can say. Well, there's got to be some meeting that I have to have. Well, there's got to be something. You see, a lot of times when things happen in this life, sometimes we think we have to be smart enough or we have to outsmart the situation. And I find myself in that, in that situation before as well. I have to outsmart the situation in order for me to understand the situation. God doesn't call you and God doesn't call me to outsmart situations. Notice what Joseph did here. Joseph, notice it describes him as being just and being not willing to make her a public example. He was minded to put her away. But then the, the beginning of verse 20, notice he said before he acted, what did Joseph do? But while he thought on these things, you see, he didn't act on impulse. You see, sometimes when, when we talk about God's will, a lot of times when we don't agree with what's happening, then we act. Doesn't that sound like Abraham? Genesis 12, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. No son, no son, no son, year after year after year. Then what did Sarah do? Sarah got impatient. She said, it might be that God says this son should come through Hagar. You see, she acted on her own will rather than waiting on the will of God. And so what did Joseph do? While he thought on, you know, a lot of times, sometimes you need to sit back and think. And I heard, I forgot where I heard it from. I don't know if it was from a book or, or somewhere. I heard it last week. It said, sometimes when you're in a tough situation, sometimes the best thing to do is to get far away from it and think about it for a second and then go back. You see, a lot of times when we're in a situation whether it's really sticky or whatever it is, sometimes when we're in a situation, we, we, we think we need to solve it right now, right? The problem's so big. The problem is it seems like there's no solution. It seems like nothing's working. And so you, you feel like, well, I got to solve it right now, or there's got to be something I can do right now. 
Now, why don't you go back and why don't you just think on it? You see, some people think, and this is, this is the problem as well, and I've seen this with, with leaders and just people in general. A lot of people think if you don't act, if you don't say anything, voice your opinion, then you're weak. Because obviously you should have an opinion on it because you're a preacher. Well, you should have an opinion on it because you're this. See, sometimes when a situation happens or when something goes on, sometimes you just need to be quiet. Just think on it. Now, you know, and it's, it's based off a situational thing. So when something's wrong, something's wrong. And so there's no need to think on something if it's completely wrong. But I'm saying when, when some situations are extremely, extremely complex, sometimes you need to think on these things and ask for the Lord's wisdom. And then notice, while Joseph thought on these things, then who appeared? Then the angel of the Lord appeared and then told him, what's the first words that the angel said? Fear not. You see, we need to listen to what the Lord wants us to do. And sometimes in order to listen, sometimes you have to be still. You know, so many times, the first thing we want to do is go on Facebook and post something or go on Facebook and take somebody else's post and then post their post. And then sometimes we post statistics. Then sometimes we post this. Sometimes we feel like we have to say something so our two cents can be in the mix. Just think on it. Just because you're thinking on something doesn't mean you don't have an opinion on it. Think on it, especially when it comes to something about God's will for you. Think on those things rather than just acting on it real quick or just doing something because everybody else is doing it. Think on these things. And so how can I understand what God's plan is for me? Think on things rather than acting on your own will. Then number two, in order to understand what God's plan is for me, two, when you think on things rather than acting on your will, then that correlates and it leads directly to then you need to start asking the right questions. But notice, don't ask the right, que- the, the right qu- questions. I can't speak today. Don't ask the right questions to Christians, but ask the right questions to God. Now, can Christians be a great source of encouragement? Yes, I have many friends that I call that are great sources of encouragement. There are many brothers and sisters that I can call right now to, uh, to ask for encouragement, to ask for their advice. But when it comes to the final word on something, I don't call anybody for the final word on anything. I open up the Bible for the final word. I'll listen to, I'll listen to your advice. I'll listen to your opinion, but I'm going final with what God says through his word. Look at Matthew chapter seven. I know we're already in chapter one, so just a few pages over. Uh, Matthew chapter seven and look at verse start in verse number seven. Notice what our text says here. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give more good gifts to them that, what's the next word? That ask him. See, notice, what does he tell us to do? 
ask and it shall be given unto you. Now, here's the thing about asking with the Lord. So many times we think if we ask the Lord about the same thing that he gets annoyed, just like we do with each other. So if I keep calling you or if I keep texting you about the same stuff, at some point you're going to get annoyed. It's happened to me too. I'm not going to lie. You're going you're gonna to get annoyed because you're asking the same. Stop asking. Stop, stop asking me. But the Lord isn't that way. What does he tell you to do? Ask and it shall be given unto you. And so what's the thing he wants us? You see, the Lord wants persistence out of you. And so in order to understand God's will, you're not going to understand it off one prayer. You're not going to understand it off opening up your Bible one time. What do you need to do? Keep asking. Keep knocking. Think about this. When you're searching for something, do you stop because you, you can't find it in one spot? You keep looking. You know, I'm reminded of, uh, there's an example of a, a kid we go to camp with, and he loves, he loves Chips Ahoy cookies. And so his dad, he said, you know what? You know, his dad, kept, or the kid kept asking, Dad, can I have some cookies? He's like, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide the cookies in this house. If you find it, you can have as many as you want, but stop asking. So what he did, he hid it in the kitchen. So the kid went all around looking for the cookies. And then he finally went to the kitchen and he opened up literally every single cabinet and every single door in the kitchen. And he finally found it. You see, we search for what we want. Do you want, do you really want to know what God's will is for you? Do you really want to know? If you really want to know, are you going to stop when things don't work? Are you going to stop when stuff don't make sense? Are you going to stop when bad things happen? Are you going to stop when you thought it was this, but it's not this anymore? You see, you have to show some persistence on your part, and I do too. There's some things about my life that I don't know what the Lord's will is, but I got to keep looking. I got to keep searching. I got to keep asking because he's not going to give it to me just because I want it. I have to do my part. And what's my part? Ask. Then I'll get, but ask, keep asking. Then notice what he says. Then keep knocking. Then keep seeking. If you keep doing those things, you'll keep finding. The Lord is willing to help us, but we have to show some persistence. So do you want to understand what God's will is for you? Think on things rather than acting on your own will. Then ask the right questions. I'm even reminded of, of what he says in uh, of, of James chapter 1. Remember in uh, verses, I believe it's verse 5. Yeah, James chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 6. If any of you lack wisdom, what does James say? Let him, what's our word? Let him ask of God. But notice God's character that's mentioned. God gives to all men liberally, and he upbraids not, and it shall be given. See, when it says he upbraids not, God doesn't get annoyed that you're asking over and over. God is liberal. God is willing to give, but he's not, you have to work too. You have to ask. You have to understand his will. And how do I ask? How do I understand the right questions to ask? What do I have to open up? You got to open up the Bible. You have to. See, some people think, well, 
the, the universe is going to talk to me and I'm just out there. And when I put good energy out there, good energy is going to come back. And then I'm, I'll understand what God's plan is for me. I got It's not magical, right? It's not some, some thing that's floating in the air. And then one day it's just going to hit you. And then all the great stuff is going to happen. You have to work. You have to study. You have to evaluate yourself and ask yourself those questions because the Lord's not going to give you something that you're not prepared for. And so let's say that you're a, you're a single young woman or you're a single young man in your, in your late twenties, mid thirties, and you want to get married. The Lord going to give you somebody that you're not prepared for. So what might he be asking you to do? I need you to keep fighting temptation. I need you to keep learning the scripture. I need you to increase your study habits. I need you to serve. He might be working on you so you can be better for that person. But it's not just going to come because you want it. And then one day it's just going to come and and your knight shining armor and your prince is just going to walk in. You have to work for it. And then guess what? If I'm working for it and if I see a young lady working for it, don't you think our connection is automatically just going to be together because I see myself working hard and I hard, but not just working hard in the secular. You know, a lot of people can work hard. A lot of people can hold a job. A lot of people can have an apartment. A lot of people can pay bills. That's great. But not a lot of people can work hard, hard on their spiritual life. Not a lot of people want to study like that. Not a lot of people want to serve like that. Not a lot of people want to read like that. Not a lot of people want to fight temptation and study the scripture like that. But if, if you're doing it, then guess what you can do? You'll be able to recognize somebody else doing it. And so think on things rather than act on your will. Then ask the right questions to God. Then number three, the by far, this is just for me at least, This is by far to me, it might not be for you, but for me, the hardest part of this process, talking about what's the, what's God's plan for you? Where does he want you to go? You know, what's his end goal for you? The final part is wait for his answer. I I promise you, I wish I could say, then after step two, then God will do this. I can't say that. I can't, but I can't say you have to wait on his answer. There is nothing more you can do. You have to wait on him. And that's where faith comes in. Look at, look at James chapter five, James chapter five. And I love this example, James chapter five, uh, verse number seven, the scripture says, be patient. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of our Lord, behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and had long patience for it. And he received or until he received the early and latter rain. When I was a kid, we had some dark, rich, rich soil in Ohio, and we planted my plants with sunflower seeds so some sunflowers can grow. <clears throat> and so we planted this sunflower, and I mean, it took most of the day, right? We had to make sure the ground was right, then we had to water the seed, then dig it up, then put the seed in, then make sure everything was all great in the rows. We had to do all that work. Then after all that work was over, me being a kid, what I wanted is, okay, mom, it's going to be, it's going to be here tomorrow because we worked so hard to plant this seed. We deserve something to happen tomorrow. Mom said, that's not how it works. You have to wait. I was like, how long we have to wait? Most times when you buy seed of anything on the back of the package, 
it sometimes tells you how long you're going to have to wait. So specifically, I believe we had to wait like three or four months. I was like, three or four months? I was like, man, I, I wish I wouldn't have put that work in because we have to wait so long. I'd rather put the work in and have it now than put the work in and have to wait forever. But notice that is, that's the example he uses here. He said the farmer or the husbandman, when he puts that seed in the ground and when he works so hard just to cultivate that one seed, what more can he do after that? He can till it. He can water it, but whose work is it now? You see, the farmer's done all he can do. Then who does he depend on? He depends on God for sunshine and rain. He depends on God for soil. He depends on God for cultivating that seed. You can't, I can't cultivate a seed. You can take care of it as much as you want, but I can't cultivate it. Only the Lord can. And so what does he tell us? When talking about my will for your life, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You have to cultivate the ground. How do I cultivate the ground? You keep studying hard. You keep fighting temptation. You keep learning. You keep studying. You keep growing under, under folks. Then I will do the rest. But you have to do your part. And so notice what he says here. We need to wait because the husbandman the husbandman waits for the precious fruit. So what's the precious fruit for you and I? The precious fruit of all of our hard work that we're trying to do is God's will. Then look at this example quickly. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Uh, look at verse number 20. Ooh. Uh, start in verse 24. Yes, Romans 8, 7, verse 24. Notice what the text says. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he hope for? And so can you imagine, sometimes I think about this at times, and this is just me kind of spitballing here. Sometimes I wish I knew exactly what was going to happen in my life in terms of, all right, this is where you're going to be. This is who you're going to marry. This is going to be the struggles that you're going to have. All the, I, like, I kind of wish I knew for it now. I wish I knew. But notice what, what, the, what Paul says here. He says, what is hope if you can see it, though? So imagine I could see 25 years of my life. How is that hope if I can already see it? But notice what he says here in verse 25. But if we hope for what we see not, and watch this, if we hope for what we see not, then do with we patience, what do we do? Then we wait for it. And so what does God want you and I to do when it talks about concerning his will? I, I promise you, I promise you, I wish I could give you like a quick fix, but this is not a quick fix process when it comes to God's will. You have to just wait. And that's the hardest part at times. You got to wait. And so how do we know what God's plan is for me? Think on things rather than acting on your own will. Two, ask the right questions to God. Keep asking him. Keep inquiring of him. Keep learning from him. Then number three, wait for his answer. Don't act on your will uh, because things aren't happening. 
you know, don't act on your will because nothing's working. And also don't act on your will because you see things working out for other people. Just keep waiting. And I know that's, that's, that's a tough answer, but that's all we can do. We have to wait on the Lord. But if we can do those things, then you know what the great thing you'll be able to do? When you do those things and the Lord actually starts to, to work in your life, one thing that's the, the amazing thing about life is that you can look back and you can, you can see what you gained from your struggles and the things that you went through. Man, this, ha- this had to happen. Because if this didn't happen, as unpleasant as that was, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't have been strong enough to go from point A to point B. Then if this struggle didn't happen, I couldn't have got through B without A. And I couldn't have got to A or couldn't have got to C without A and B. And so things in your life happen because the Lord is cultivating. Let him do his work and wait for the answer. So I hope this has kind of answered your, our questions about what is God's plan for you. Always just try to do your best to do the, and I struggle with these as well, but always do your best to do these things and be patient with the Lord. You know, he's, he's working on something, you know, and that's, to be honest, that's kind of what, what, um, what kind of gives me hope. Like what's mentioned in Romans is that even though I can't see anything, even though it seems like nothing's moving at times, the Lord has a plan and the Lord's working. And so one thing that helps me out is I don't want to do to mess up his process. So if I have to wait for X amount of years, I'll wait. If I have to not do this, I'll wait. If I have to be by myself, I'll wait. Because in the end, it's really going to be worth it. Because the Lord's will is the best. The Lord wants what's best for you. Learned so much as I have. I love studying for this. And I hope and I pray that you'll continue to wait for God's will for you as I continue to wait for God's will for me. Thanks, guys.